Thank you very much. I'm just checking my mic so it sounds like it is. Can people at the back here? Yeah. Oh, so-so. Okay. Um, I'll try and speak loudly. Um, apologies at the beginning. I've got a cold and a cough and a sore throat um, and I'm just recovering from a chest infection. So hopefully my voice will be all right for uh, 40 minutes. If not, um, I'll get you to read the slides out or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how we get on. Um, so I'm going to be talking about Bletchley Park, about social media, about Twitter, um, and about software engineering uh, and some of the research that we've done in the last couple of years. Um, and uh, this morning I thought it would be a good idea to find out, um, as this is called, uh, part of the title is The Value of Twitter, uh, to find out what people on Twitter thought uh, was the value of Twitter. Um, so. Actually, I wanted to ask at the beginning, how many people here are on Twitter? It's about a half. Okay. Right, so um, it will be interesting to... Uh, actually, how many people think Twitter is wonderful? Ooh. <laughs> Maybe about half of the half. So about a quarter of the audience think Twitter is wonderful. How many people think Twitter is awful? Oh, about six people, okay. <laughs> so well, please don't throw rotten tomatoes at me because uh, uh, well, I really like it, obviously. Um, so I thought it would be uh, fun this morning to ask people on Twitter what they thought the value or the power of Twitter was. So uh, I asked this this morning. What is the power of Twitter? Can you sum it up in one tweet? And uh, incidentally, the hashtag for the talk today is UCLLHL. So uh, do tweet away, and uh, maybe we can see if we can get uh, UCL, LHL uh, trending on Twitter. We've managed to, uh, to do that in previous talks that I've been involved in. Um, so do tweet away all the way through. Um, so I've interspersed my slides with tweets uh, from this morning of people's opinions of Twitter, the value and the power of Twitter. Uh, and I thought it would be a good idea um, to get a bit of audience participation, and because my voice is not so great, uh, that maybe you could read the tweets out as we go through. So every other slide is a tweet, which is someone's opinion on uh, the power of Twitter or the value of Twitter. Um, so uh, what is the power of Twitter? Can you start up in one tweet? So every other slide is going to be somebody's opinion on that. So starting off with Bletchley Park. How many people have been to Bletchley Park? Oh, good, I like that. So that's, that's probably more than half the people here. Uh, so that's wonderful. So for those that don't know, Bletchley Park is the place um, north of London where the Codebreakers worked during the Second World War. Uh, people like Alan Turing worked there, who I'm sure you've, if you didn't know about him before, you've heard about this year, or last year now, in his centenary. Um, the, who knows what this uh, machine is here? Anybody? Just shout out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Enigma machine. There's a bit of a clue on my T-shirt here, um, what it might be. Um, yeah, so this is an Enigma machine, and if you see the third bullet point here, um, the Germans used Enigma to encode their messages during the Second World War, and they thought it was unbreakable. Um, and the figure given is that it was 158 million, million, million um, to one. Uh, it was thought to be that... that um, uh, that it could be broken, um, but obviously that was wrong because um, it was broken by um, uh, at, at Bletchley Park and involved also intelligence from um, the, 
Polish and the French, I think, in that. Um, and so one of the reasons that Bletchley Park is, um, is not as well known as I think it should be is that everything was kept secret after the war. Um, and uh, people that worked there were sworn to secrecy. And so no one talked about it for a very long time. So I'd like you to read the tweets out. So shall we all read it together? <laughs> so the power of Twitter is to find a decent curry in any major city within five minutes. So has anyone else had this experience? Not, not necessarily with curry. Um, but I've, I've had it with chips. I was on uh, a beach in Brighton a few years ago and uh, I wanted to have fish and chips with my family and uh, I tweeted, does anybody know where to get good fish and chips in Brighton? And within five minutes I had eight responses, about three of whom were for the same chip shop. So we just walked over to the best <laughs> chip shop in Brighton and had our fish and chips. So um, the power of Twitter. Yeah, it was great, thank you. <laughs> so, um, so, I'll just talk about quickly how I got involved with Bletchley Park. I set up a group called BCS Women in 2001, which was like an online network for women in computing. Um, and in 2003, I went up to Bletchley Park for a BCS Women meeting. And uh, after the meeting, I walked around and bumped into a guy called John Harper, who was at that time rebuilding the bomb machine, which you can see there. Um, now and what he was doing looked really cool so I started talking to him and he said why are you here and I said well, I'm representing this group women in computing and he said did you know that more than um, uh, more than half the people that worked here were women so I was like no because I had this idea that it was I don't know kind of like 50 maybe old blokes in tweed jackets sitting around smoking pipes and doing the times crossword and doing a bit of code breaking on the side so when he said more than half of them were women I was quite surprised and then I said, how many people worked here? So he said, more than 10,000. So again, I was really shocked, and I thought, well, I've got to try and do something to raise awareness of uh, these women that work there. Right, next tweet. So we read this one out? The hive mind of buzzing humans. Cool. <laughs> so uh, here's some photos of women at Bletchley Park with um, Ruth Bourne and Jean Valentine at the bottom there, who... Um, who were bomb operators during the war and still work there as guides. Um, amazing women. So uh, to raise the profile of the women that worked at Bletchley Park, we came up with uh, an oral history project, the Women of Station X, to um, highlight the women's contribution at Bletchley Park. <laughs> right, let's read this one out. Cats, sock puppets, parody, watching telly together, outrage. More cats, politics, funny pics, daily fail, outrage, cats, and like-minded cats. My friend will kill me for reading this one out and including it. Um, but I, I don't know, one of the best things for me recently has been um, the whole watching telly together thing with Twitter, because being an early adopter, there weren't many people to do that with early on, whereas more recently, there's things like X Factor, but, but the thing that really did it for me was the Olympics opening ceremony. That was one of the best nights of my life, and not just because the Olympics opening ceremony was good, but because of the amazing conversations that I was having with lots of people on Twitter, who, and we were all just having a wonderful time watching it, commenting on it, talking about stuff that we found important. And um, so it might seem like it's a trivial thing, but actually I think it's very important. 
Okay, so here's some pictures of Bletchley Park. So, um, I, uh, at the launch of uh, the Women of Station X project, uh, Simon Greenish, the director of Bletchley Park, then said that they were um, having financial troubles. Um, and I thought, well, that's wrong. Then a couple of weeks after that, I was up at Bletchley Park and standing in front of this Heart Heart Six. Um, and uh, we'd just been taken on a tour of Bletchley Park, which I hadn't done before. And one of the veterans was telling us about all the major achievements uh, that happened just in that Heart Heart Six. Um, and he was talking about the fact that um, uh, the work done at Bletchley Park was said to have shortened the war by two years and that 11 million people a year were dying. So potentially the work done at Bletchley Park saved about 22 million lives. Now, obviously, you can't give an exact figure, but just the scale of that um, to me was really shocking. And, and the fact that Bletchley Park uh, was having financial difficulties, I just thought, you know, this is wrong. I've got to do something about it. So... The power of thousands against the power of contacts. So that's very interesting because one thing that Twitter does is it kind of cuts through hierarchies and it cuts through um, networks, I guess, and you can connect you up to people that you never thought um, you would be able to connect to before. And also it, it joins people together. <coughs> so um, uh, I, I decided to try and highlight the fact that um, Bletchley Park needed help. And so, first of all, using traditional media. So I um, did various things, but one of them was uh, to try and get it onto um, TV. So I contacted uh, all the journalists that I knew, which this is in, sorry, this is like 2008, um, and I told them that I thought... Uh, this was a story that Bletchley Park uh, should be highlighted um, and that it needed funding and it should be funded. And so I contacted all the journalists that I knew, which included Rory Kessler-Jones, uh, luckily, um, and Rory thought it was a good story. And so here I am on BBC News in 2008 um, saying uh, we need to save Bletchley Park. Okay. Twitter gives easy access to the world in real time. All events, cultures, faiths, and opinions are here, however big or small. So I was on TV. Um, there was a big spike of interest. I got about 200 emails from all around the world. Um, but so, so being on TV is great, but you can't... You know, it's, there's not, you can't put a story into, on TV every week. It's not a new story every week. It's a new story once. And then what do you do after that? I was trying to kind of keep, keep it alive, get more people involved. Um, so to start with, uh, I set up a blog uh, just so that people knew what was going on. Um, and I guess to kind of provide a focus for people that were interested in uh, helping to save Bletchley Park. Next week, you can make really deep, life-changing connections with people and maybe even change the world. At Daniel Beersley. <laughs> so, after um, trying to think of ways to highlight Bletchley Park and keep it in the public consciousness, um, I started using, I'd signed up for Twitter sometime before that, but I'd not really used it and actually thought it was rubbish. Um, <laughs> but then I was at a conference where the, the speaker 
a guy called Whatley Dude on Twitter, uh, said, who's on here is on Twitter? So I put my hand up and I said to my neighbor, hey, it's rubbish, isn't it? Uh, and he was like, no, 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 it's really great. Um, and uh, basically they persuaded me that it was good. I started using it on my phone, which I hadn't done before, which makes it um, much more powerful, I think. Um, and I started to realize that it was something I could do to try and help uh, Bletchley Park kind of raise their profile and raise awareness. Um, and so the photos here um, are from the day when um, a guy called Sizemore, so the guy in the check shirt there, got in touch with me after seeing that I mentioned Bletchley Park on my Twitter profile and said he wanted to help uh, Bletchley Park. So we all went up to Bletchley Park, me and him, and a guy called Documentally, who's a great social media person too, and uh, Jemima Knight from the bottom photo, um, to, to get Bletchley Park excited about and enthusiastic about Twitter. Um, and the guy here, the guy with the valve, is Captain Jerry Roberts, who also got in touch with me after I was on um, TV, and he recently got um, MBE and the New Year's Honours. He was a code breaker at Bletchley Park and has done a lot of campaigning too uh, to try and raise the profile of Bletchley Park. Great guy. So, power of Twitter. There's <laughs> one degree of separation between all classes of people. Kevin Bacon is gutted. If you don't understand that one, ask me at the end. <laughs> so one of the things, so, you know, trying to keep Bletchley Park profile up, one of the things that I did um, was to see this photo of Stephen Fry stuck in a lift in Centre Point, um, beginning of 2009. And I saw that and I thought, Stephen Fry, surely he would be interested in Bletchley Park. So I sent him um, several direct messages late one night asking him to help Bletchley Park. And... Um, uh, the next morning, um, amazingly, I got a response and he tweeted a link uh, to my blog and asked people to help save Bletchley Park. So at the time then, he had 220,000 followers because that's four years ago, wow. Um, but now he's got five million, just an incredible amount of people. Um, and uh, he's, he continues to be a great supporter of Bletchley Park. So next tweet, the power of Twitter is shared experiences. They encourage, enlighten, and empower us. That's what we're having now, right? A shared experience. So uh, Stephen Fry tweeted uh, a link to my blog. I ended up being the most uh, retweeted person on Twitter that day worldwide, amazingly, um, above Stephen Fry <laughs> even. And um, instead of the usual 50 hits on my blog, I got 8,000. So, so that's the kind of highlight, the, the power of Twitter. It, you can find people that you just, and contact people you couldn't have contacted before, um, like Stephen Fry. So the next tweet from Twitter, you can steal a little bit from other people's happiness when you feel down. Oh, yeah, that's lovely. And it's true. You know, normally if, if you're not having a good day, you're sitting at home, um, uh, with no one to talk to. If you've got Twitter and you've got your community on Twitter, then there's lots of people that you've um, built up friendships with over time. So I've now been on Twitter for, I think, nearly six years, which sounds crazy. Um, actively using it for about four and a half, I think. And so it, it's true. Anytime I feel down, I can just direct message or I can uh, tweet any number of people who I've known and built up relationships with over the last few years. So it's great um, in terms of helping with isolation. So 
So here we are at Bletchley Park. Stephen Fry came up for the day, which was wonderful. The guys at the top are Simon Greenish, previous CEO of Bletchley Park, and Kelsey Griffin, who is Bletchley Park on Twitter. So do start following at Bletchley Park on Twitter. This one's easy. Connectedness. So <coughs> one of the great people that I've met through Twitter is a guy called Stuart Witts, who's social media director for... Um, Marie Curie, um, and his experience, this is his blog, which I encourage you to read if you're interested in social media at all. Um, he blogs about his visit to Bletchley Park, and I think this really highlights the great use of Twitter by Bletchley Park. Um, Stuart, on the way there, the, there are lots of signs to Bletchley Park, but some of them aren't in the right place, so you can get lost. <laughs> you can, I think there are like 200 or something, it's some crazy amount. You can get lost and uh, not find it. Um, and so he tweeted something about not being able to, if he'd finally found Bletchley Park. Um, and, uh, and so you can see Bletchley Park's tweet here uh, in response to his tweet saying he couldn't find it, saying all the road signs have been removed to confuse fifth columnists and protect Bletchley Park secrecy. So it's just an example, a very good way to use um, Twitter to engage with people if you're an organization by using a sense of humor, by responding quickly, uh, by being friendly and uh, engaging. And um, it's kind of typical of uh, the way that Bletchley Park have used Twitter to engage uh, with people that are going to visit. So another tweet, 140 characters is a filter, a send aside filter importantly, encouraging most to think about the content they send. So here are just some bullet points uh, about the power of Twitter, um, which basically uh, you can tell from stuff that we've gone through already, so I won't, I'm, I'm very tempted. When I've got a slide with bullet points on it, I'm tempted to read it out, so I won't do that. But I'll put all the slides on SlideShare afterwards, um, so, and the link will be tweeted, so you'll be able to um, have a look after the talk. So next tweet. I think it's the ability to reach out to folks quickly and concisely. You have to think about the message using 140 characters or less, <laughs> which I absolutely love, because ab that absolutely sums up what's great about Twitter is sense of humor, I think. Um, so now to talk about a bit of research that um, we've done. We did this with um, Rachel Harrison from Oxford Brooks, um, Joanne Jacobs from um, Queensland, and Mark Bullwood from the University of Westminster. Uh, and what we wanted to do was to find out how much people were using um, social media in, uh, in uh, building computer systems, in software engineering. So next tweet, Twitter's like a global coffee break in the staff room. All the best conversations are short and to the point, has gossip and fact. So what we did was we put out a questionnaire on Twitter, asking people questions. Uh, so it was directed at people who were working in global software engineering, in software engineering projects, um, with about 15 or 20 questions. Uh, and we tweeted the link a few times uh, to get responses. Next tweet. Twitter brings to get that's together a community of people who would otherwise never meet in real life. So you have to get used to text speak as well with Twitter, as you've got such a, a small amount of space, 140 characters. 
Um, and here's just some stats about the respondents. So mainly male, mainly 40-ish, um, and mainly university educated. And I like this one too, the power to mislead journalists. I need to um, uh, tweet him when, when we've finished and find out exactly what, what stories he's got around that. Um, so, and our respondents again were mainly from Europe. They used between zero and seven types of social media. Um, I hate to think how many I used. Um, and they were mainly Twitter, instant messaging, LinkedIn, Facebook. The next tweet, it's, uh, for me, it's connection. I've made amazing friends and kept some too, all through Twitter. And I, that's true for me too. I've, I've just met the best people over the last few years through Twitter. So we asked software engineers, what information do you communicate using social media? So as you can see from the bottom up, um, the most popular thing was new ideas. Um, and, uh, and then um, system specification and design uh, specification. So that's all stuff around working out how, how you're going to build the system, what it's going to look like, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's good to see that it's kind of facilitating communication um, in, the, in the specification and design process, um, which will end up um, helping to create a better product, I think. Anybody want to read this one out? <laughs> when I first saw it, I thought it said knee. You know, the, I don't know if you know the knights that say knee from um, Monty Python, but actually it says M factorial. Uh, which basically means it goes whoosh to lots of people. So how many hours per day do you use social media applications to communicate? So I thought this was quite funny in um, that a lot of people didn't want to respond to this. Because <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> it, was, it was probably quite a lot, I guess. Um, so uh, the most popular was naught to 2, followed by no response at all, which I guess was probably, it's so embarrassing, I can't tell you. Um, but I think a lot of people uh, dip in and out throughout the day, which is what um, this quote at the bottom says, um, which I think now especially is what people do. Um, you have it there. You're not using it all the time. You just kind of pop in and out and see what's going on. Us. <laughs> Short and sweet. So um, some bullet points here about the benefits that we found from our research. Um, which are all, I guess, kind of common sense from what we've said already. Things like faster and easier problem solving, um, easier to share what you're doing and to communicate with people. Um, also, the flexibility you can communicate out of hours. Uh, and it, it seemed to work really well in um, teams that were split across different countries because then you couldn't all get together and have a proper meeting. So if you were using it to um, communicate in a real-time way, that seemed to work very well. Um, so for like global projects, um, it was very valuable. 42, <laughs> I guess someone was gonna say that. Um, and so 91% of respondents said that using social media at work has improved their working life. So that was nice to know. And I like this one. <laughs> the ability to stalk people from the comfort of one's own home. Which is true, because you can just do that. People are just saying in public stuff. <laughs> uh, and you can just sit there and read it all. Um, so before finishing, I wanted to mention um, two people that I'm hoping you'll hear a lot more about this year. 
um, Tommy Flowers and Bill Tutt. Uh, Tommy Flowers invented Colossus, um, which is the world's first programmable digital computer, uh, which you can see a rebuild of at the National Museum of Computing at Bletchley Park, and I encourage you to, um, to go and see that if you haven't seen it already, it's amazing. Um, and uh, Bill Tutt, who was one of the code breakers, <coughs> who did this amazing thing. He was in an office with Jerry Roberts, um, uh, Captain Jerry Roberts that I mentioned earlier and showed you the photo of. Um, and he, Jerry Roberts said that they used to sit in the office together day after day at Bletchley Park. And uh, Jerry used to wonder if this guy sitting there with him was, was earning his keep because he said he just used to sit there with a pencil, you know, like twiddling a pencil, staring into space. Um, and he said for three months that's what he did, occasionally scribbling on a bit of paper. And uh, Jerry used to think, well, what's this guy doing? He doesn't seem to be doing anything. And uh, in that three months, he managed to work out the logical structure of the Lorenz machine without ever seeing one, just, I think, from one or two messages uh, that, um, that had been received. Um, so a remarkable feat, because it meant they were then able to read uh, all the messages coming from uh, Tunney or the Lorenz machine, as well as Enigma. Um, so, and both these guys didn't get very much recognition at all during their lifetime. Um, this year there's going to be a campaign for a memorial to Bill Tut in um, Newbury uh, to highlight his contribution. And I think um, Tommy Flowers just seems to be uh, gaining in um, recognition his contribution too. So I'm hoping that we'll all hear a lot more about him this year. Addictive, <laughs> which is very true, I think for me anyway. I find it hard to, uh, to not look at Twitter or interact with people. And um, I'm currently writing a book called Saving Bletchley Park about all the campaigns to save Bletchley Park. So um, you can sign up for that at unbound.co.uk, Saving Bletchley Park. Um, it's a crowdfunded book, so um, it's not so... Does everyone know what crowdfunding is? Can I explain crowdfunding in one sentence? Um, so the way it works is that if you think this book should be written, then you uh, can sign up for it and pay uh, a certain amount. So it's £10 for a digital copy, £20 for a print copy. And um, uh, what, you, what the publishers need to do at the beginning is make sure that, that enough people would buy the book if it was written. And so basically you, you pledge to buy the book. <coughs> Um, and uh, that's crowdfunding. And so the book was crowdfunded within five days to 100%, so it's actually the fastest crowdfunded book ever. Um, and it's currently at 169% funded, so I, w I am writing the book, and it will be published. <laughs> and uh, that's it from me. Thank you. Any questions? Thank you, so we do have time for questions, but as this event is um, being streamed online, if you can wait for a microphone to come to you so that people online can hear you as well. Does anyone have any questions? There's one just in the middle here. Hello. Um, I, I was hoping you might be able to answer a question about the Enigma machine. God, this is weird talking in here. Um, I recently was told that the Enigma machine would never replicate a letter. If it 
did, would it have been much more difficult to break? Yeah, so, so one thing about the Enigma machine which helped them to break it was that every letter could not be replicated as itself. And so that really helped them to crack the code. So, so if, it, if that hadn't been true, it would have been harder to break. That's right, yeah. Would it have been breakable, do you think? You don't know. No, I don't know, sorry. There's one right up there in the red chair. Hi there, I was wondering if your definition of social media includes email. Probably not. Well, I haven't thought hard about it, so maybe, maybe give me a, a bit of time to think about it. But I think it can be used as social media, I suppose, but not really. Just down the front here. If you could wait for the microphone. Could you name uh, people who were recruited from uh, this university to work at Bletchley Park? From this university worked at Bletchley Park? I'm Sorry, during, from this during university. the war. People who studied here or yeah. lectured here or whatever that were eventually uh, recruited to work at Bletchley Park. Maybe Sliver was the one. Was she, did she learn here oh, languages? I don't know. I don't know. You don't know? No. Okay, second question. Uh, well, the, Jerry Roberts that I spoke about, he, he was here. Uh, could you display, uh, because I tried to find the uh, photograph of Joshua Cooper. Josh Cooper, he was a, a, a leader of the uh, uh, RAF section of Bletchley Park, and I can never, never, no way I can find his photograph. Okay. C can you display one from Twitter? <laughs> no? I, do, I don't have one myself, but maybe if you, are you on Twitter? Pardon? No, I'm not on Twitter. Sorry, The best way to find things like that is if you're on Twitter, then ask someone, either Bletchley Park or someone involved with Bletchley Park, to retweet it, because then you can ask thousands of people at the same time. That's okay. And there's one in the box at the top. <coughs> there's a question I often ask on computer people. When was the word computer first derived? I'll give you half the answer as it seems to me. I have to go back before history began. So in, during 1947, I was stationed at RAF Melksham and I was doing my training as an aircraft instrument engineer. And one of the components I had to service was what we called a bombsite computer. In the Wellington aircraft, it was on the port side of the aircraft, in the bomb aimer's position, the size of a small suitcase. In it was fed airspeed, altitude, compass bearing, wind speed, wind direction, the terminal velocity of the bomb. It was controlled by two gyroscopes. Now, this is before the days of transistors. It was entirely mechanical. Two flex drives connected this to a gyroscopically controlled sheet of glass. There was a sword-shaped beam of light. When the beam of light came across the target in advance of the aircraft, the bomb aimer pressed the bomb tip. This we called the Mark 14 computer. Now, this is 1947. Does the word go back any further than that? I, th I think it does. I'm not 100% sure, but I've first heard of it being used for women who were computers. So they were actually working things out maybe in the 20s? No? Earlier? 18th century. Thank you. 18th century, women were computers. <laughs> <laughs> not all women. <laughs> You're making the, this side work very hard. <laughs> 
Thanks very much for a really interesting talk. I live in Germany, and it's just an observation that my local town last year had uh, pictures of Alan Turing on practically every street post wow. and every street lamp. I live in a city which has the biggest computer museum in Germany, um, and they had a big exhibition on Alan Turing and the whole Bletchley Park process, and that's in central Germany. So it is well recognised, the contribution that these guys gave to, to the war effort. Yeah, it's great to know. Thank you. Do you want to tell everyone where it is? Uh, it's, uh, it's a city in North Rhine-Westfalen called Paderborn. Okay, thank you. Go visit. <laughs> I want to go. Any questions on that side of the room? <laughs> no, another one down here just in front of me. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Dr. Black, for a very interesting talk. I was just curious about the research that you did. Did you come across um, uh, the profile of people who were Twitter users versus the ones who were not? Was there anything about the yeah. people who, uh, or in your own experience, do you find that there is something either psychologically that's different? <laughs> or yeah, we're all a bit crazy. <laughs> or, or maybe yeah. it's just circumstantially that certain jobs, for instance, systems engineering lends itself well to that kind of project work, whereas other people yeah. working in different industries are not really big Twitter users. Yeah, that's a good question. I think at the beginning, um, it was just kind of general early adopter people because it wasn't the whole technology software engineering community at all. Um, and one thing that I found was finding people on Twitter. I found lots of like-minded people in terms of wanting to connect to other people, wanting to find out stuff, being kind of like the eternally curious people. Um, were the early adopters because I ended up meeting people that I thought had the same kind of mindset as me in that way, but in lots of different careers. They weren't in one kind of career. So that was very interesting, I thought. Any more questions? No? Well, that just remains for me to thank you all for coming. Thank you for your comments. Can I just and quickly ask... Please, please. I'd just like to ask um, everyone to promise that they'll go and visit Bletchley Park this year. 2013, go and visit. And the easiest way to get there from here is to get the train from Euston, and it's 36 minutes on the train, and then it's over the road. So please promise to go and visit this year. New, New Year's resolution for you. So just remind, remind you to all follow Dr. Underscore Black, and also if you want to find out about lunch hour lectures, at UCLLHL. But um, thank you all for coming, and thank you, Dr. Sue Black. Thank you.